Right. We're in First <laughs> John chapter three, <clears throat> and we've actually uh, we left off on verse fourteen, correct? I believe so. That's where we're going to pick up. I'm pretty sure that's where we left off. Let me go back and read just a couple of verses. Yeah, that looks right. Uh, let me go back. I'm going to start in verse ten. I'll read down to verse fourteen so we can pick up here. Actually, down to 13. All right. You guys will remember he was talking about uh, Cain and Abel, giving us an example. First uh, John 3, starting in verse 10. In this the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. For this is the message that ye have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was that of the wicked one, and slew his brother... And wherefore slew he him? Because his own works were evil, and his brother's righteous. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hate you. Verse 14. We know that we have passed from death unto life, because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. All right. <clears throat> so he gives the example. Remember, he's talking about loving the brethren. Certainly... He takes it to, he, the example he gives is even, he uses a physical, worldly example uh, to show the example of love. Now, he shows a, a relationship oftentimes that's much closer than maybe those even within the church, and he actually goes to uh, brothers, physical brothers, Cain and Abel. Uh, it's bad enough to think that you would have hatred for a brother or a sister within the church, but the example he gives is even a closer relationship, and yet you've got physical brothers uh, in which one hates one to the point of killing him. If, if a person could treat their physical brother or sister in that way, certainly you would think that they would be able to do that to someone who is not a, even a blood relative, which is hard to think. Uh, Sam, watch, does anybody watch those crime shows all the time? No? I'm not supposed to use white examples of family, right? We were watching a I was watching a crime show right before we left, and it's interesting how many of those crime shows where you have spouses killing spouses and uh, brothers, people killing their family members. Uh, but the example he's given here, it's not uncommon. This has been going on since the world spun around, right? Certainly he's calling out logically, this shows that this is totally contrary to those who are the followers of God. So the context has to be considered here if the meaning of the text is to be understood as far as what he's talking about. We know that we have passed from death unto life. How many of you guys are alive and then wonder, well, what's he talking about? He's talking about death from life. I'm like, we're all here, right? So none of us are dead, but we're followers of God. How do we pass from death unto life? Well, he shows us right here because we love the brethren. All right, so he's, talk, he's not talking physically. I, you would think people who are reading this would get it. What's the context? Love of the brethren distinguishes between the child of God and the child of the devil. That's what was actually mentioned in verse 10. So let's go back and get into context. What's he talking about? That's verse 10. The way that you behave determines which family you're of. We spoke about this last week. Am I a child of God or am I a child of the devil? We actually touched on this last week, too. Just because you think 
or a person thinks they are the child of God doesn't mean that they are. One could falsely think they're in a, in a family and not. Um, I, won't tell, I won't tell how I know this person. <laughs> I had a person tell me, I won't say when, <laughs> that they found out that their parent, one of their parents, is not the actual parent of one of their siblings. And my response to them was, did you ever tell your sibling that one of their parents is not their parent? And they said, no, I never said anything. And I said, I wouldn't either. That's, you guys know the family secrets you take to the grave? Imagine how confused this person would be to find out that they are not fully of the family. They think they're of the family. And you may be saying, where are you going with this? How many of you guys have ever talked to somebody who thinks they're a child of God and you try to explain to them lovingly maybe that they're not a child of God, that they, they're not in the family they think they're in? Uh, that's not normally received very well, and it can be very devastating. But we learn in verse 10 that uh, our behavior determines and improves which family we're in. Verse 11, the obligation to love one another has been taught from the very beginning. Then in verses 12 through 13... The hating of good by the evil has always occurred and will always occur. We talked about this last week. Uh, you've got people, when you try to do right, who will say that you are hateful, spiteful, prejudiced, bigoted, whatever, right? Because you stand for, I mean, you could look at examples. I mean, for example, uh, one of the big ones today would be what? Abortion, right? Uh, I'm not sure how... And usually they, they usually give the argument, well, something bad happened to this person, so they should have the right to do that. Uh, something bad happening to me doesn't give me the right to do something even worse to somebody else. That's really what abortion is. Uh, and they'll say, well, you're hateful for, for coming and protesting against my right to have an abortion, to kill a, to kill a baby. <clears throat> there have always been those that hated good because they do evil. So... What are we talking about when we say we've passed from death unto life? <clears throat> uh, I actually listened to a, a gentleman quite, a, quite some time ago. He actually preached a, I can't it was really weird. He preached a lesson on the walking dead. And I got where he was going with it. He was trying to actually talk about, you got people in the world around us who are, they're not alive, they're actually dead, and they don't even know it. Uh, and it came across a little unusual. I might try to preach that one sometime. <laughs> what we're talking about here, I got where he was going with it. It just didn't, it didn't get presented very well. But Christians are alive to the truth, and the, the opposite are the people out in the world. They are, they are literally dead. They don't know they're dead, but they are dead. But we're alive unto the truth and to the will of God, which is what we as followers of God do. But the rest of the people around us, they're dead. They're, I mean, they're alive. But they're, they're dead to the truth. They're spiritually, yeah, they're spiritually dead. They, they, they don't comprehend, they don't understand, and because they don't comprehend or understand, they don't do. And it's, I think it's very logical. Uh, you're not going to, you're not going to live a righteous life when you don't either know how, or two, you don't think it's necessary. Uh, I had a conversation with a person, I don't know whether he claimed to be an agnostic or atheist this week, interesting conversation. Uh, and he, does, he, doesn't, he doesn't follow according to the will of God. And to me, and I told him so, that's very logical. 
If you, he did, and the reason he gave was he based all of that on he did not think the scriptures were inspired. Now, he had not studied it. But my response was, I agree with you in if I did not believe the scriptures were inspired, if I didn't think they were 100% true, I would not be a Christian either. That's right. So is it logical to you guys why most of the people in the world are spiritually dead? Go ahead, Larry. I don't see how you could. Right. Yeah, I. For anybody who does not believe that the Bible is 100% accurate, I think it is perfectly logical to not be a Christian. I wouldn't be. Uh, if you can't trust all of it, I don't see how you could trust any of it. And the logical conclusion for me, and, and we had a nice conversation and actually talked about quite a bit of Bible stuff, to me that's logical. I wouldn't be a Christian either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have, a, well, you have a number of people. Um, usually, why do, they, why do they trust part of it but not all of it? What's the reason normally? There's something they don't agree with. There we go. Right? They don't agree with, maybe it's the manner of worship. Right? They don't agree with that. They want to be able to do something different. So uh, they say, well, I don't, I don't agree with that. Could be manner of lifestyle. Uh, it could be even for, well, even for those, let's say, within the church. You start talking about the one body to someone who came out of denominationalism, and by, by discussing and teaching the one church, what are you doing to their family members, in their opinion? Condemning them to hell, right? Are you saying all my family's going to hell? Has anybody ever had someone ask them that? So wait a minute, you're, you're saying there's just one church and the Baptist church is wrong, and if people go to the Baptist church, they're going to go to hell. I didn't really, didn't really say it like that. What I said was is there's, one in, there's only one church in the Bible. You inferred from what I said that because that church doesn't match the church in the Bible, you inferred in your mind that they're not part of the one body, and then you inferred that they're not going to heaven because they're not part of the one body, which again, it's, that's a logical approach, correct? And they actually fall up in here. You've got, the, you've got those that hate good because they do evil or they do wrong. Guys, we are surrounded by people who do not, they're not alive to the truth. The actual conversation started because I started the conversation unbeknowingly. How did I start? I was making coffee. I don't remember how I started it, but... I made the blanket statement, well, you know, the Jehovah's Witnesses think Jesus is coming back in 1914. Maybe that's an unusual coffee or comment when you're making coffee, but that was the comment basically I went with. And guess, lo and behold, who had a family member who was a Jehovah's Witness? The gentleman who was an atheist or an agnostic, I don't know which. And he was shocked. He said, I never heard my dad say that. Are you sure that's correct? I said, oh, yes, it's correct. Let me tell you. Oh, yes, I did. That's what brought it up. That is it. I, did, I got invited to a Jehovah's Witness uh, conference, which if you're watching, I'm not coming. That was what brought it up. And lo and behold, his father is a Jehovah's Witness. And I said, well, have you ever, have you ever asked about Jesus coming back? My question is, as I said in the scriptures, are you aware, because he's read the Bible, where it says every eye will see and every knee will bow. And I said, I'm curious, you know where that's recorded in any of the history books when Jesus came back in 1914? Because if every eye saw him and every knee bowed, We'd recorded that somewhere, right? That's what started the conversation. 
Uh, and I told him a whole bunch of things, and he was like, I've never heard any of that. That gentleman, and I agree with him, very logical. He does not claim to be a Christian because he does not believe the Bible is inspired, and that's because he made the statement I, because he thinks men wrote it, right? Is that, does that describe a lot of people in the world around us? They just don't know. Yeah, so, and, and again, that, that goes back to the Jehovah's Witnesses, right? They do believe in heaven. They do not believe in a place called hell where there's eternal punishment. Uh, if you're not a faithful Jehovah's Witness, you just cease to exist, right? And yet you've got people that in other religious groups, the same way, everybody thinks you're going to heaven. Has anybody ever been to a funeral where the person was like, they knew they weren't going to heaven, they, they've just died? They, if, if you even thought that way, you probably wouldn't have a funeral, would you? Everybody thinks they're going to heaven. I mean, the general world around us is very confused. They are dead. And so for us as Christians, we have passed from death unto life uh, because, one, we have an understanding of the will of God. We do the will of God, and we are, we're set apart from the world. I would love to actually try to find that percentage. I cannot see it being very high. When you figure within the state of Michigan, according to the statistics that I looked up, 99% of people within the state of Michigan are not members of the church, and we'd have to actually go a step further. Out of that 1% in Michigan that are members of the church, we'd have to ask well, how many of those are actually faithful. <clears throat> so let's just go ahead and round that on up to 99.5%, and we might be... We might even be in a, a little uh, heavy on the 99.5%. <clears throat> if that's how high it is for people within the state of Michigan who are not living according to the will of God and, and part of the church, I can't see a whole lot of people out of that 99.5% becoming Christians. I think the number would have to be astoundingly low. Notice Romans 6.13. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Paul uses the, pretty much the exact same wording here as John does. Again, both of them by inspiration, that we are to yield ourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead. Right? Where... We're not the uninformed, uh, walking dead out amongst us anymore. We are the ones that are of the family of God. We love our brethren. That's just one, one of the very small few things that we as Christians do. There's a whole host of additional things that we do. Uh, <clears throat> and there's certain ways that we carry ourselves and behave. So it's not just what we believe. That's good and that's needful, but it's also what we actually do. And the two, what we believe and what the scriptures teach, and what we do have to go hand in hand, right? Otherwise, what we have is, is hypocritical actions which are confusing to the world around us. And he's actually going to touch on this a little bit as we go forward. Verse 15, Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer, and ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. All right. Is that saying that anybody who murders cannot go to heaven? Uh, 
Has anybody, again, if you watch those murder shows on TV, I don't know what, I don't know their names. If you don't actually kill somebody here in the state of Michigan, but you drive the getaway car, or you drive them there, or you provide the weapon, or whatever, what are you? What, what is that called? What'd you say? Accessory or accomplice or something like that. When, when they have the court, do you get, do you get the, the same charges against you as you do if you did it yourself? <clears throat> so let's ask a question. Paul, who not only persecuted the church, but drug people there, and who stood by at the stoning of Stephen, and some might say, well, Paul didn't actually throw the stones. Paul seems to be giving his consent while he's there. And I would say part of, part of what actually probably motivated the crowd to do that was the very fact that the great Paul was there observing it and as a Pharisee who could have stepped in and said, no, don't do this. He didn't do that. Would Paul have probably, if, if that was actually, which it was, if that was taken to court for murder and Paul was standing there and approving of it and basically chanting and saying, go ahead and do it, is he just as guilty as the rest of them? But Paul, we know, was striving for his, his crown. So are we saying that a person who committed murder, or and murder, guys, murder is no different than any other sin. Are we saying that a person who committed murder could not go to heaven? No, that's not what we're saying. This is a, what do we find here? A murderer. It doesn't just continue. That, the person with that type of a continuous action uh, of doing. Now, unrepentant. And I can't imagine... Well, I'm sure it has. I don't want to even bring the. I don't even want to bring the one up. It's a well-known case. I'm not going to even touch on it. Because um, that, that's actually an example of a Christian who killed somebody. Should I even bring it up? You guys, I won't say the name. How many of you are familiar with a lady who put a, a Christian who put a husband or put a pillow over her husband's face, minister? within the church, and she shot him. How many of you guys remember that? I'm not going to mention the name. There's a whole bunch more stuff involved in that we're not going to touch on, but uh, clearly she's a murderer. Clearly she's a murderer. Uh, if she were to repent of that and be faithful, could she go to heaven? Uh, that makes me think of Jeffrey Dahmer. Jeffrey Dahmer, who, as far as we know, and I've seen the actual letters, obeyed the gospel while he was in prison and was trying to do right. I can't think of a person more, more reprehensible in the world, according to the world standards, than Jeffrey Dahmer. Now, if indeed he did obey the gospel, which it appears that he, he did, uh, and if indeed he was being faithful, does that guy get to go to heaven? As bad as he, he was a murderer, multi-murderer. He killed a lot of people. If he was sincere and repentant? And there were a lot that was that was pretty common in the uh, first couple centuries, first, second, third. You've got people who were waiting waiting to get baptized so they could do all these things in their life, then at the very last minute, the idea was, well, I'll be baptized for the forgiveness of sins, and it'll wash all that away. 
But they're, they're not even talking and focusing on repentance and so forth. Yep. On the other side, that lady. Uh, I don't believe there was. No, there's. She was trying to get out of going to jail. Yep. By saying that she was in a cult and she was forced to do things and not make any of that right. Mm-mm. But I don't think she's a member of the church anymore. No. Um, I, I think I actually saw or read somewhere where she was publicly seen in a bar not long afterwards talking about how she had gotten away with it. That doesn't sound like a repentant Christian to me. Mm-hmm. So you've got two totally different. You got a preacher's. You got a you got a preacher's wife, which let's not even call her that. She's a Christian, and she killed somebody. And then you've got a guy who's as reprehensible as Jeffrey Dahmer was, who had killed multiple people. And it appears that there's even evidence that he did obey the gospel. And the world, in their mind, would think a guy like that should not get to go to heaven. But if indeed he did obey the gospel and he was he died in a faithful state, he gets to go to heaven. Whereas that other person who may have seemed to be okay by the world standard, not repenting of what they did, they're not going to go to heaven. Yep. Yep, the vineyard. The workers at different hours. Yeah. How many of you guys would be aggravated if that? If you're not familiar with that parable, let me lay it out real quick. You show, up at t- you show up at 6 o'clock in the morning, and he says, you're going to work all day for, I'm going to just make up the amount, $5. And you're like, that's a pretty good amount. I'll work all day for 5 bucks." Then at noon, he goes out and brings more people in and says, hey, you guys got to work the rest of the day, but at the end of the day, you get, five, you get $5. And then all of a sudden, about an hour before it's time to everybody go home, he goes out and brings more people in and says, hey, if you finish the day of work and you get 5 bucks, The people at the beginning are like, now wait a minute. How's that fair? I did more work than them. Uh, and how come we all get the same thing? Well, the point was is they finished, they finished the day of the work, and the owner has the right to reward accordingly, right? And his, his determination was they all get the same amount. Not fair to the world, but... It doesn't seem fair to the world, but it's... Exactly what Christianity is when it comes to getting to heaven. If, go ahead, Larry. So it is. You can't. Yeah, you can't kill. You can't kill someone and not be affected by it. Uh, I don't. I grew up and I hunted all the time. Uh, I, I do not hunt anymore. don't have any desire. Uh, I don't believe it's wrong to hunt. If I was hungry, I would go out and hunt. Uh, I used to do it for the enjoyment of the sport. I, I don't enjoy it anymore. Uh, it's funny, I didn't realize my dad would take me hunting, but he never hunted anymore when I was a kid. He got to the same point. He just didn't enjoy it anymore. Uh, there's just something about killing that when... Uh, when our dog jumped up and got our bird, 
it didn't kill it right away. I had to take it in and shut the bathroom door and finish it off. When I was a kid, that didn't bother me so much. It bothers me a little more now, right? Um, so to think that somebody could get to this point to where they kill somebody, and especially that it may not even really impact them or bother them that much, that's, that's pretty hard to stomach for me. Uh, and it, let, me, let me bring this up and then I'll grab Sam. It is not my desire to ever kill someone. If somebody were to break into my house, I have weapons, just so anybody watching this on YouTube, I have lots of weapons in my house and I don't ever plan on killing anybody. If, if trying to save a family member's life, uh, I wounded somebody and they, and they died, and would I do that? It's very possible. You don't really know what you would do. Yeah, you don't really know what, I, I would not want to, yeah. I'm not. No, 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 I'm not. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, have heard, I have heard ministers, I've seen ministers post on Facebook, literally says, if you come in my house, I'm going to kill you. I do not think that way. I, do not, I don't want to kill anybody. Could it get to the point where, in self-defense, I harm somebody? It could. That would, that would greatly harm me and make me feel, I would struggle with that. Um, I, I hope nobody here has ever killed anybody. I know people who have accidentally killed people and it has caused great harm, even when it was done accidentally. I'm not, I mean, I would struggle with that. I believe I could be forgiven of that if I did it. My grandfather never mentioned war until two weeks before he died, and, and he was very clear about a number of the things he did, uh, and he really struggled with. He didn't struggle with what he did on behalf of the government, trying to stop an evil man. He struggled with the fact that he himself had done evil things to other people during the process. What I mean was, he didn't struggle with trying to stop evil people from taking from killing Jews and so forth. He struggled with the fact that he became a hateful person during the war. And he said, I was, I was mean and did horrible things because here's the thought process and you guys know it. You did horrible stuff to me and my buddy got shot, so I'm gonna do horrible stuff to you. And so he struggled with the fact that he had become a horrible person and had done just hateful, evil things. But guys, that, isn't that really what war turns people into? It's what, that's what war is. And again, he didn't struggle with what he did acting on behalf of the government. He just struggled with who he became as a person. Oh, we're not even covering the Bible study. This is not murder. This is talking about hatred. Yes, this, well. This is not the physical killing. No, no, no. I'm, I'm glad Jerry got us back on track. Because that's the whole point. It's the hatred that gets us, though, to the point where we want to kill. 
Uh, that's not, and then we'll, we'll get off of this. I don't think, no, we won't even go there. So this is like, this yeah, it's what's driving you. It's the motivation behind the killing process in and of itself, which is a totally different discussion than war. But you brought it up. Killing somebody, does, it does change you. My dad ran over a kid and thought he killed him. And I remember the day he came home, uh, and, I mean, it, it, it did a lot of it, havoc on him, right? Um, and uh, most of us have probably either known somebody that's actually accidentally killed somebody or hurt somebody, just hurting somebody. Have you guys ever accidentally, how many of you guys have seen where a parent, I just, we had this conversation at work, how many know somebody who has actually run over a child with uh, a lawnmower or a piece of farm equipment or, have you guys seen that? How do you live with yourself after you accidentally run over your child with a lawnmower? We, we were having this discussion at work. Somebody had actually uh, accidentally, they were taking their kid on the lawnmower and they accidentally ran over him. It's an accident, right? The killing of anybody, it does something to you. But there are some people in this world who aren't affected by that. People like Jeffrey Dahmer and what's the guy up in Chicago, a John or Quint, uh, Casey. Uh, I work with a guy who's, who actually his friend was killed by that guy. Uh, there's some people out there who killing doesn't bother them. Yeah, and let's point that back up since we, we got off on the killing, which is fine by me. That's, that's the whole point. Yeah, and, and again, no sin's any worse than another. It's just as bad to kill somebody as it is for me to go out and steal a guy's lawnmower off of his property. One's not any, in the society's opinion, yeah, killing is much worse, but it's not. Sin is sin. It's, they're both transgressions of the law, right? If anybody transgresses the law, they automatically deserve recompense. Go ahead, Holly. That's and go ahead. Yeah. It's any of those things. Yeah, I was talking to, uh, I was actually talking to somebody about um, Michigan City Prison. That's the prison um, that I used to go up to, the federal state prison. The comment that the guy made to me was, he said, the only difference between you and me is 10 seconds. Basically, right? Well, 10 seconds and a bad decision. And basically what he says is anybody's capable under the right conditions of killing somebody. But guys, let's take this to a whole other step. Anybody really under the right conditions is susceptible to commit any of those sins that we're not supposed to do, whether it's, uh, a, you know, stealing, adultery, whatever it could be, murder. I mean, placed under the right conditions and you making a bad decision, any of those things could, could come into play, right? You, and I can hear people saying, oh, that would never happen. It only takes how many, it only takes how many uh, conversations with, with, let's say, somebody at work before you slowly start to... Uh, evolve into, let's say, an emotional affair, and how long are you in an emotional affair before you have a physical affair, before you even know what's happening, and it's right upon you, right? Same thing as stealing, same as, 
anybody can fall, become susceptible to those things. Yeah, as followers of God, there are certain laws that we don't follow because we're in the kingdom. We follow God's laws. But the hard part is, is what? We're, we're in the world, but not of the world. That's all. One of you guys' hands was up. We're in the world, but not of the world, right? So a lot of people don't understand the whole idea of the kingdom. Go ahead, Holly. Yeah. So there was an argument. There was an argument somewhere. I go quite often. I won't say where. And uh, we were having a discussion, and I said, "Well, just stay away from that person." And then I told them, "I said, there's a certain individual." I didn't even tell them the name. I said, "There's a certain individual within uh, here that I I never speak to them. I don't talk to them. I don't go around them. And if I do have to talk to them, it's via email. And that's because I don't I don't trust that person. Uh, and so I just I just stay away from them." Right? There's really only one or two people that I see on a daily basis that I, I don't want anything to do with them. I don't go near them, don't talk to them. Uh, and there's people in the world that are the same way, right? Go ahead. How many of you guys did something when you were younger that you would have never done had you not been with your friends who had the great idea to go do it? That was me every weekend. <laughs> yeah, we need to be careful who we surround ourselves with. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. This does not mean that he has committed the act of murder. So when it says, hey, you're full of hate, that makes you a murderer. Are you physically a murderer? No. But he's got a point here. It's your heart. It's, your heart. it's, it's what leads to that act of murder. Uh, yeah, it, there's a difference between me dragging a guy out of my house Who's, if somebody comes into my house and threatens my family, uh, I'm, I'm dragging them out. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you. They're going out of my house, right? Uh, I probably wouldn't even be looking for a firearm right off the bat. But I don't have any intention to kill anybody. I'll just tell you right now, they're going out of my house one way. They're probably through the windows or whatever, but they're going out of the house. But I don't have any desire to kill anybody. Uh, there's, there's a big difference between wanting to stop somebody from doing something or hurting someone or having the mindset of, I'm intentionally just going to harm and hurt you. Big, there's a big difference. Uh, even, even in our laws, 
if if I accidentally hurt somebody, let's say if let's say I was, I'll use an example from the Bible. I'm cutting wood. This is actually in the Old Testament. For those of you who don't remember, I'm cutting wood. The axe head comes off, <clears throat> pops Jerry in the head. Right? Jerry falls over, dead. We're just using a biblical example. It's not really Jerry. Who has the right, according to the Bible, to come and get vengeance? I'm scared. Wendy. <laughs> Closest family member really has right to come and, and uh, seek vengeance. However, according to the Old Testament, two things. One, it's not murder, right? It's, it's technically what we would call um, manslaughter. Totally different term, right? It's manslaughter. Yes, I killed him. But it was an accident. We're having, a, we're having a good conversation. I'm cutting wood. The axe head hits him in the head and kills him. I didn't murder him. I accidentally killed him. It's called manslaughter. So one, it's not murder. Two, in the Old Testament, what happened? Where did you go? And then I'll grab you, Larry. You went to a city of refuge. And you stayed there until there was the change of the high priest, at which time you were allowed to then go back home. But the family that would want to seek vengeance, they couldn't come do anything to you, right? Because one, you didn't murder them. It was an accident. It's manslaughter. Uh, and so you had a place of protection. So there's a difference in the Old Testament between accidentally killing somebody and having intent and wanting to kill them. That idea of people who have already pre-thought out, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shoot so-and-so if they come in my house, my personal opinion is there's premeditation in that. Well, let's take that another. Let's take that another. How many of you, if you were cutting wood with Jerry, and the axe head came off and hit him in the head and killed him, how many of you would actually feel? Everybody, please raise your hand. How many of you would actually feel bad if you killed somebody? Well, I think we all would. Right? I don't think there's any Christian who would accidentally kill somebody and to either, either be fine with it. I mean, I just, I can't imagine in my mind that there are people like that, but... A similar parallel verse that you can look at in Matthew 5 when it talks about looking on a woman to lust after her had already committed Yes, very similar. Very similar wording and kind of using the same language. It's the lust of the heart that even leads to that act of adultery. He's taking everybody to a whole new level. Jesus' teachings, adultery had always been wrong, wasn't it? So Jesus wasn't, he wasn't giving a new teaching per se. He was taking it to a whole new level. Uh, yeah. Well, and, you know, we, we were having this discussion in the parking lot here about Sam's dad who was working at Kroger's, and a guy came and robbed him at gunpoint and said, give me all your money, and the police said, why'd you give him the money? And he said, because he had a gun. Yeah, if a guy comes in and all he wants is my money, take, take the money. Like, I don't have, it's not like it's a big deal, take it, right? Yeah, um, I'm not bitter about it, but I had one of them old, how many of you guys have the old uh, fold-out uh, ladders that, you know, they're like six foot tall? I had one that I got, and it was all rickety, and so I spent a lot of time. I took the whole thing apart, and I rebuilt the whole thing. I'm not bitter about it. And, and it was really nice when it got done, and somebody stole it out of my garage. 
Never did figure out who that was, right? I'm actually glad that I don't know after all the work I put into that stupid wooden ladder to fix it because if I knew who actually stole it, guess what I might have in my heart? I might have anger towards that person. But since I don't know who took it, I hope they enjoy my ladder that they stole out of my garage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, it would be much better to be wronged. Uh, Instead of being macho, right? Yeah. Really, that's what guys do. Mm-hmm. They start getting puffed up. Okay. When they should just turn around. Well, in the argument that we had at work, that's what you had. You had two people. <laughs> the one guy said, uh, well, one, he was being disrespectful. And was he? Yes, he absolutely was. And the guy's response was, I'm not the kind of guy that takes that. And he's not the kind of guy that takes that. So what'd you have? Exactly what Jerry's talking about. Two guys with their chests puffed out. Usually that ends up into a slugfest is usually what it ends up in, right? Well, my response to the person was just walk away. It's not a big deal. Yeah, in the end, it does not. I was doing orientation today at work and I told, I, I told them, it's like, you know, we're not delivering babies here. We make parts for medical industries and cars. We shouldn't be going home at the end of the day stressed out, worried about work. Yeah, it's like people are going to mess up and make mistakes, but we're not delivering babies here. It's just, it's just work, right? Let's, let's everybody get along and do the best that we can and go home every day and not be stressed out about it. That's really the correct mindset to have at, at a workplace. It's not like we're making... I just, I don't even get involved in that stuff anymore. Uh, other than if I hear it going on, I, I'm kind of like the designated fight breaker up in school. You know, the teacher always walked to stop it, but I don't go there to fight. I just go to look at them like, really? That's usually enough. What's meant is he has, for this murderer here, and this is where Jerry was going with it. Jerry's trying to keep us on, he's trying to keep us on target for our Bible study, even though we're doing everything we can to not stay on target for Bible study. What he's talking about here is he's exhibited the disposition and the spirit of a murderer. A person that hates his brother is literally showing the disposition of a murderer. He's allowed his passions to arise in his heart. This is what we just talked about here. Basically, with his either, uh, either he's upset and angry and he's going to retaliate. Um, and then when that's carried to its ultimate end, what's it result in? Murder. I mean, you take hatred to its furthest level, it's murder. Uh, I will not say who this was, but when I was growing up, I knew a person. I knew a person that was being bullied at school. I don't know if I said this one time or not. So he was being bullied at school. And he told his dad, I can't take it anymore. Cannot take it anymore. And he said, I'm going to kill him. And here was his dad's response when he made the statement. I'm not sure if you are being serious or not, but if you're going to do it, I'll help you bury the body. Now let me, why am I saying this? 
guys, I'm just being straight up with you. Now, he didn't end up killing the guy. They ended up making up, but he said, it's a good thing we made up because I was going to kill him, and I was planning on it. And, of course, his dad's not a Christian. His dad's going to help him cover it up. But, guys, let's be logical. If you hate somebody that much, and they're causing you that much trouble, and you're of the world, what is the ultimate end most likely going to be? What's your... You don't, have a whole lot of, you don't have a whole lot of ways to fix that. So if you live in the world and according to the world and you have someone that's bothering you to that extent, does it seem unlikely to you that you'd kill somebody? Oh, wait a minute. We just had the example of Cain and Abel, didn't we? So this has been going on from the beginning. So to hear him say that I was going to kill him, and he was. And then for his father to say, well, if you're serious about it, I know a place we can bury the body. Guys, that's the world. When I heard that, I was younger when I was told this. I actually knew both people, and they were, they were friends at this point. He never told the guy he was going to kill him either. They became friends after this. But when he told me that, it didn't shock me to the core, because guess what? I was as much of the world as anybody else. That's a logical, that's a logical way for that to play out. It is. It's not, it's not, you're not physically a murderer, but the hatred that drives someone to kill someone is the hatred that you possess. And that goes back to what Wendy was pointing out earlier. It's just like when he said, you know, if you're lusting after a woman, it's, it's just like committing adultery. It's not physically adultery. We know that. But it's the same thing. And, and Jesus took it to a whole new level uh, in all of his teaching regarding a number of things, uh, hatred, uh, lust. We could look at a bunch. Well, the ultimate example of somebody in a bully situation and how to react to that and kind of, we've got a lot of little ones here, and how do you react to somebody being bullied? Uh, Jesus, the woman caught in adultery, she was being bullied. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. What did he do to you? Pose a question. Are you better than he is? Mm-hmm. And try to just the acknowledgement to somebody being bullied that somebody is bullying me might help them. Just yeah. the acknowledgement that that's not okay. That's not cool. So I had a I had a we're gonna have to stop. I had a kid in seventh grade. Uh to give you a little information, he had he already had tattoos all over his hands and whatever. So he started, he started the bullying. Um, actually had it twice. One guy I punched in the face, that stopped it. I'm not condoning that or recommending that. I wasn't a Christian. My point was with the guy with the tattoos, the one that was bullying me, do you guys know how that actually stopped? You know how I stopped that? I actually got, I had to work with the guy to bail hay all summer long. I didn't know the guy prior to that. I knew who he was. Uh, and, he, and he bullied me. Once I actually got to know him, I understood why he was the way that he was. I found out that his dad was in prison. I found out that some of his brothers were in prison. I found out that he had an extremely hard life. And the way that he was taught to show that you were a man was to try to push other people down and to push them around. And as I got to know him, I really liked him and we became very good friends. Sometimes the guy who is bullying you, if you become friends with them or just get to know them, 
you kind of begin to understand why they're even the way that they are, and you can sympathize a little bit with, with why they are the way that they are. Uh, and just being able to do that, I think sometimes, oftentimes, at least in my situation, it made all the difference. Uh, I never had a problem with that guy ever again, ever. Uh, guys, people, when people bully, they've got under, they've got under, for the kids here, if people are bullying, they have underlying serious issues, issues and it's usually because they themselves have been picked on, physically abused, mentally abused, and they don't know how else to show their anger and hatred other than to lash out at somebody else. That's why people bully. I mean, they, they, are, they are unconfident and unsure of themselves, and the only way to try to gain confidence and be sure is to put somebody else down. And it's sad that we, and we have that with adults too. We act like it only happens to kids. We have it with adults. We see it all the time. You'll see it in the workplace. You'll see people bullying each other in the workplace. Uh, it doesn't really, it doesn't, and it, it's the same with peer pressure. They all go hand in hand. We're going to have to stop. Let me finish this passage. Why do you guys always make me go long? It's, it's your fault. So we're talking about the hatred of murders, right? Murder is simply hate expressed in a physical act, and when it does not occur, so what I'm saying is, is you guys hate somebody right now, but you haven't killed them, right? You ever heard someone say, well, at least I haven't killed them yet. When it does not occur, it's due to a number of reasons, such as, one, I've lacked the opportunity to kill them. You're probably laughing, right? No, yes it is. I've lacked the opportunity to kill them, or I've, I've lacked the means to kill them, or I've lacked the courage to kill them, or I am fearful of punishment. Because if you hate somebody to the extent, and we can look at a number of examples, if you hate somebody to the extent that the world sees people hating each other, and oftentimes it's logical when you watch these shows, right? They're mad, they kill them. They plan on a way to kill them. The reason that you wouldn't is really one of these reasons, most likely. You lacked opportunity or means, right? Uh, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't figure out how to do it, or uh, I wasn't sure how to do it, or two, I, was, I wasn't courageous enough to do it, right? I was too scared to go out and do it. Or I thought I'd go to jail, so I decided not to do it. I'm sure there's a lot of people who have not killed somebody they hated simply because of this one right here. They were afraid they would go to jail. If you took away that punishment, no jail sentences if you killed somebody. How high do you think our murder rate would be per capita if there was no punishment for killing people? You can see that right now with our amount of crime, right? We're not punishing for certain crimes, so you see the crime rates going up. Mm -hmm. That wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise, if there was no punishment, I'd go kill. So let me take this a whole other step. So people say, oh, you know, the Bible is just a book of, a book of rules, books of rules and regulations. Well, let's list a few of them, right? <laughs> if you're married, actually, no matter what, don't go out and lust after people. What could that lead to? That could lead to a number of sins. Don't do that. Don't hate people. Don't commit murder, right? We can start, don't steal from people. You start listing all the rules and regulations that people don't want to follow. Why do we have all those rules and regulations? It's for our own safety and for, and for the safety, really, of others in a number of regards. Yeah, I mean, rules and regulations, that's how they want to look at it. Um, I have, there's all kinds of rules and regulations that we follow just in our normal life, and we don't look at those as speed limits, right? We have speed limits that we follow because, well, somebody said this is the amount of speed that you can go on the highway. So I personally think I can go faster than 70 and be safe. However, somebody did a study, my guess is, and so 70 is the limit, right? 
Do what? Did you talk to somebody today about me? Yeah. I did see an officer on the way in, and I did notice I was just a little bit over the speed limit, but I slowed down, and he was nice enough to let me go home. It was this which prompted the Lord to forbid that which leads to hate. And this goes back to what Wendy had brought up earlier. We're not to hating. Hating is what leads to killing. The Jews knew they couldn't go out and murder. Jesus takes it to a whole new level. Not only is it not okay for you not to hate or to murder someone, you shouldn't hate people. Same thing. The Jews knew it was okay to, or they knew that they should not go out and commit adultery. Jesus took it to a new level and said, it's not just, it's not just good enough to say, well, I didn't commit adultery when I'm doing this. Let's take it to a whole new level. You're not supposed to be doing that either. You're not supposed to be committing adultery with her in your mind, right? So Jesus took it all to a whole new level. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it seems counterintuitive to what the world does, but Christians, our, our intent is even our enemies, or we want to have them go to heaven, right? Yeah, I mean, that would be the goal. It's funny, uh, I know I had this discussion with Larry, and, and for whatever you guys, let, let me start off with a basic, and then I'm going to quit. It is, the, it is the government's right to put anyone to death they want to. That is biblical. And I used to be a huge supporter of the death penalty before I was a Christian. And my mindset was this, guys. It had nothing to do with the person. My mindset was, I don't want my tax money paying for some horrible guy to sit in jail for 40 years and eat, and I have to pay for it. So, just put him to death. I don't think that way anymore now that I'm a Christian. People, even in prison, should have an opportunity to be, to obey the gospel and be forgiven. So if I have to pay my tax, and here's the thing, guys, I have to pay my taxes anyways. The government's just going to use it for whatever they want. It's not like I really even have any say over it. So I'm more than content to allow them to use that money because they're just going to take more from me, from me anyways and pay for that guy's food while he's in jail. And I pray that it, he can obey the gospel and become a faithful Christian, right? My point is, is as, Christians, I, as a Christian, I think totally different now than I used to before I was a Christian. Like, I was fine with, and, and again, let me say, the government has the right to put anyone, the government can come in here and put me to death if they want to. They have that right. I hope that they don't, but they do. Uh, and they have the right to put people to death in prison. I used to be a huge supporter of it. The only reason I'm not now is because I would hope that that person would somehow get an opportunity to hear the gospel and be, become a Christian. And for me, the little bit of money that I pay on my taxes or whatever, that's just a moot point for me anymore. I think we change the way we think. At least we should, you know, as we get a little wiser uh, and get stronger in our Christian faith. If I have to feed that guy for 30 years, I'm sure some of my other money is being done for all kinds of horrible things by politicians. So what's it matter if I spend some money on that guy and why he's in jail? Go ahead, Wendy. Well, even that person that you were talking about that you don't want to ever be around, yes. hopefully you, if he ever says, I would like to have a Bible. Oh, I would. Yes. Yeah, I, the only, I, don't, I don't like to be around that person because I think they're a very dishonest person and I don't trust that they would, uh, I don't trust they would be honest in a number of things. But, but no, if that person ever wanted to hear the gospel, I'd love to sit down and teach them the gospel, but I, I don't trust them as far as other matters. So I just stay away from that person. 
and, they, and from what I know, I don't think they'd be interested in hearing the gospel from me, but I would hope that they would at some point.